0: I do this for my culture, 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 culture. culture, culture,
1: culture.
2: Welcome back to For the Culture. Right here on WEAA 88.9 FM and WEAA.org. Absolutely the voice of the community. I'm your host for Raji Muhammad. Thank you so much for checking in and riding with us this evening. Folks, that was a great conversation we had with Dr. Dermell Brunson of LTYC. Dre, can I, can us give Dr. Brunson LTYC a warm round of applause? I like that. Black men doing it. B-S-A? Yeah. Um, tonight, folks, I want to have, as part of our final conversation, I wanted to talk about this because I was um, kind of list- listening to what President Biden had to say. And in this conversation around Tulsa, everybody's talking about Tulsa, right? And let me just, let me just say this on the outset. When there are big moments in our history, in American history— such as this moment as Tulsa. I know that in the cycle of news, there's this tendency to just kind of talk about it for the day and then move on to the next thing, right? But I don't operate that way. We don't operate this show that way. You know, I think there are some things that's just worth us talking about, whether over a couple of days, because it's such a big topic. It's such a big thing, a big moment in our history. So I, I've been wanting to have this much deeper conversation with you because I've, I was listening to the president and his remarks given that he gave to uh, to to the audience in Tulsa. He gave to the uh, the survivors, you know, Mother Viola Fletcher, uh, uh, brother Van Ellis. And that in and Mother Viola Fletcher's family, her sister, and just some of the descendants of those who lived in the Greenwood District of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I said, mm, I mean, I know that things happened on Monday. Today is Wednesday, and you know, there's like I said, there's this tendency to kind of let this kind of move forward, move on. Mm-mm. I don't. I, it's too big. There is something in this that I think that we need to look at. If you haven't had a chance to listen to what President Biden said, um, it's about—he gave about a 35-minute speech. And in his speech, he really goes a little bit deeper into um, recounting what happened on on that fateful evening on that day of May 31st, 1921, June 1st, 1921, what happened, as much as he he understood the history. And one of the things that really struck a chord, and look, I, I don't know what the president's intentions are, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm saying that here is a man who has been in the office for many, many years. We all know that. We know his story and all of that. But he said something to me that struck a chord, which was he was the first president— and Demi, correct me if I'm wrong on this— he said he was the first president to visit Tulsa, Oklahoma since the massacre occurred in 100 years ago. The first president. That's right there speaks volumes to me. Why? We've had many other Democratic presidents. Um, We even had a black president. And not anyone took the time to look, to make the effort to visit to talk to, to really delve deeper into what happened at, in Greenwood, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The first president, Bill Clinton didn't do it. Black President Barack Obama didn't do it. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to say this. I would be a little bit embarrassed if I was President Obama. I would be a little bit embarrassed because here I am as a black president for two terms didn't make the trip because we know we know that in government to make the visit to to pledge that some things would happen it would have taken years right so I'm just throwing that out there, but President Biden said he's the first president. Now, what does that mean for Roger? Does that mean that he's the greatest president? No, it doesn't mean that at all. I just find that to be interesting in a historical from a historical context. He was the first president to do it even after we had a black president and many other Democratic presidents. Tulsa, Oklahoma, Greenwood, is an important part of our history. I want to play for you with President Biden just a little bit of the excerpt of what President Biden had to say as he spoke to the people of Tulsa, the survivors of the massacre, and and what he plans to do to deal with this issue. Check this out.
3: Today, we're announcing two expanded efforts targeted toward black wealth creation that will also help the entire community. The first is, my administration has launched an aggressive effort to combat racial discrimination in housing. That includes everything from redlining to the cruel fact that a home owned by a black family is too often appraised at a lower value than a similar home owned by a white family. And I might add, and I need help if you have an answer to this, when I can't figure this one out, Congressman Horsford. If you live in a black community, and there's another one on the other side of the highway, it's a white community, it's built by the same builder, and you have a better driving record than the guy with the same car in the white community, you're getting to more for your auto insurance. Shockingly, the percentage of black American homeownership is lower today in America than when the Fair Housing Act was passed more than 50 years ago. Lower today. That's wrong, and we're committed to changing that. Just imagine, if instead of denying millions of Americans the ability to own their own home and build generational wealth, we made it possible for them to buy a home and build equity into that that home and provide for their families. Second, small businesses are the engines of our economy and the glue of our communities. As President, my administration oversees hundreds of billions of dollars in federal contracts for everything from refurbishing decks of aircraft carriers and installing railings in federal buildings to professional services. We have a thing called, I won't go into it all, but there's not enough time now, but I'm determined to use every taxpayer's dollar that is assigned to me to spend going to American companies and American workers to build, build American products. And as part of that, I'm going to increase the share of the dollars the federal government spends to small disadvantaged b- businesses, including black and brown small businesses. Right now, it calls for 10 percent. I'm going to move that to 15 percent. of every dollar spent <laughs> will be spent million. I'd be authority to do that. Just imagine, instead of denying millions of entrepreneurs the ability to access capital and, and contracting, Made it possible to take their dreams to the marketplace to create jobs and invest in our communities. That the data shows, young black entrepreneurs are just as capable of succeeding given the chance as white entrepreneurs are. But they don't have lawyers. They don't have they they, they don't have accountants. But they have great ideas. Does anyone doubt this whole nation would be better off? from the investments those people make, and I promise you, that's why I set up a uh, National Small Business Administration that's much broader because they're going to get those loans. Instead of consigning millions of American children to under-resourced schools, let's get each and every child, three and four years old, access to school, not daycare, school. In the last 10 years, studies have been done by all the great universities. It shows that it increased by 56 percent the possibility of a child no matter what background they come from, no matter what. If they start school at three years old, they have a 56 percent chance of going all through all 12 years without any trouble and being able to do well. And a chance to learn and grow and thrive in a school and throughout their lives. And let's unlock more than an incredible creativity and innovation that will come from the nation's historically-backed colleges and universities. Yeah. No. I have a $5 billion year program giving them the resources to invest in research centers and laboratories and high-demand fields to compete for good-paying jobs in industries like, of the future, like cybersecurity. The reason why they don't, their, their students are equally able to learn as well and get the good-paying job that start at ninety and 100000 bucks. But they don't have, they don't have the back, they don't have the money to provide and build those laboratories. So guess what? They're going to get the money to build those laboratories. Yeah. So instead of just talking about infrastructure, let's get about the, uh, uh, about the business of actually rebuilding roads and highways, filling the sidewalks and cracks, installing streetlights and high-speed Internet, creating space, space to live and work and play safely. Let's ensure access to health care, clean water, clean air, nearby grocery stores, stocked with fresh vegetables and food that they in fact, deal with. I mean, these are
2: all things we can do. Folks, that was President Joe Biden as he spoke to the residents of Tulsa, the survivors of the Tulsa massacre, um, about his plans for what he thinks would be the best direction to move forward. To right the wrong. Now, for those who may not know, Tulsa, the whole Tulsa violence started, according to the history, after the arrest of Derek Rowland, who was a 19 year old black shoe shiner, who was accused of assault against a white elevator operator by the name of Sarah Page. She was 17 years old. And apparently, according to many accounts, but they have a lot of different accounts as to what actually happened, but the common theory suggests that Mr. Rowland tripped, and simply grabbed onto the arm of Miss Page while trying to catch his fall. She screamed, he ran away, and then, henceforth from that point, the, uh, the violence occurred. Now, President Biden toured the Greenwood Cultural Center. He was told that within 24 hours of that encounter, a white mob— formed after Mr. Rowland's arrest destroyed much of Greenwood. And guess what, folks? That case was later dismissed. So the president said in his remarks that the attack on black families and black wealth in Greenwood persisted across generations. He said this on Sunday in a proclamation as they honored the anniversary of the Tulsa Massacre. He said the federal government must reckon with and acknowledge the role that it has played in stripping wealth and opportunity from black communities. Folks, I want you to join me in this conversation because as much as I hear the president and I appreciate the fact that, yes, he can make a trip to Tulsa, something that a lot of presidents have not done in the past 100 years. I still feel like he's missing the mark. And I want you to share your thoughts with me on this folks. 410-319-8888. The 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 president is looking at this. Well let, let's let me let me start from the beginning. The president was already going to do certain things prior to uh this acknowledgment, this commemoration of the 100th for uh, of Tulsa, the the investment in HBCUs that five billion dollar investment that he spoke about that was already a part of the Corona uh, the um, the uh, stimulus plan, the American Rescue Plan that was already a part of that that one point seven trillion dollar coronavirus uh, rescue plan. That piece about the upping. The investment of 10% to 15% for small, for black, small, and disadvantaged businesses. That's okay. I mean, that's talking essentially about $25 billion, right? Okay. That piece about uh, housing discrimination, targeting housing discrimination, redlining, making sure that black folks are getting their homes appraised. That's okay. All right. And he had just announced yesterday that Vice president Harris, who wasn't at i mean as far as I know didn't make any remarks to the uh to the to the to, the, to our people in Tulsa, but he announced that she would be uh overseeing an effort to make sure that voting rights across the country um that she, that, that voting rights will be protected okay. But I still feel like something is missing from this whole thing. And I want to get your take on this, 410-319-8888. I'm simply asking, those ideas, housing discrimination, uh, investment in HBCUs, investment in, in black, small, and disadvantaged businesses, do you think this is enough to deal with the great tragedy of Greenwood in Tulsa. Do you feel like this plan, these ideas is a form of justice? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm going to put two pieces of two proposals out there on the table that I that the president said he would support. But I think that this is the perfect moment to push across the just across the finish line. Policing reparations, right? I think those are two big issues. For me, I want something more. There there needs to be, and and it might be, we're so far gone in terms of, because it literally has been 100 years since this happened. Where's the punishment? I mean, where's the punishment? We're all in the rebuilding, restoration stage but justice, justice requires some level of consequence. Where's the consequence? Like, like, can't there be some consequences that the state of Oklahoma can suffer from as a result of their disdain and neglect of the Greenwood community of Tulsa? Can't there be something? Where is the... Because all that other stuff is all well and good. I mean, that's fine. I mean, it's certainly needed, and we're trying to put it on equal footing. But my issue has been, like, where is the consequence? How do you relieve the pain of Mother Viola Fletcher and others, the other survivors, without—I mean, they felt deep, deep pain. They lost their families. They lost their homes. And just the trauma— are being hunted down like animals and tortured and, and, and just brutalized by a white mob of white men who had hatred in their heart. Where's the consequence for that? Again, it could just simply be that's 100 years from ago, so all of those guys died but something else needs to be there. But I want to hear your thoughts. 410-319-8888. All right, Jessica, thank you for checking in and being the first to talk about this. What's your take of what the president has said?
4: Yeah, Tulsa, Oklahoma, that was just tragic, everything that happened, and, and it's really daunting that we're still feeling the effects of that terrible traumatic experience that we went through. And it has me thinking, you know, when slavery started, it was kind of out of an anger for the Caucasian um, society to kind of push their um, superior, superiority onto the African-Americans and other people who were colonized. But thinking about it now, since slavery happened so many years ago, it's like, are they taunting us? Are, are black people kind of a lasting stock for the Caucasian society to taunt us and say, hey, we have this hold on you and because it seems like no matter what we do and kind of fighting for equality, we're never really heard. And so what is going to happen with Tulsa, Oklahoma, and how how can we help them?
2: Mm. So you're saying how can we as black people help our people in Oklahoma? That, correct. Because gotcha. W- yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. No, and I think that's an excellent question. And I think that's an excellent question. The unfortunate part about it, right, um, mm-hmm. i think jessica that um so those of us who 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 are who are knowledgeable of these things right um i think that, that 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 falls on us because like i mentioned at the beginning we could be talking Tulsa today and then something else we move on to the next thing tomorrow okay. and i think that that's part of the reason why um it's so important that we have historians and archivists who constantly remind us of these uh big moments of our history because what has happened in Tulsa happened in Rosewood and 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 really and really it set the precedent for a fear campaign against black progress and black excellence
4: absolutely and for Raji, Tulsa was such a it still is such a you know a dynamic city for urban districts Urban cities in Tulsa were bustling, and some of them still are. They have such a thriving uh, energy to them. So to see that happen, it kind of handicapped Black people and, and kind of halted our motivation to open to open small businesses in Black neighborhoods and small communities, and to kind of put money into ourselves because we're thinking, are we going to get destroyed next? Is this going to happen to us in, in 2022? Well, and yeah, and I
2: mean, that's a great question. And that's a great question. But see, here's the here's a thing that I think we need to also consider on the other side as black folks. And I want and I, and I want to hear people. I want people to, to, to definitely check me on this or chime in on this. But too much of our pain that has been inflicted upon us as black people in this country, it gets diminished and relegated to economic prosperity. Like that is the key to the to to the problem. It's like, oh, we kill black people. Oh, you want to open up a business? Mm. The, I mean, that's not. It, that. it
4: doesn't. It doesn't quantify.
2: No, it doesn't it quantify. Being,
4: being financially uh, reciprocated because something, a massacre that was caused by an opposing party, and saying here, here's a bucket full of money to help you through your sorrows. It's not answering the biggest issue. And you know, someone said that if we keep brushing these massacres, if we keep brushing these 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 large issues that are affecting black economies. Under the rug, we're going to keep tripping over the lunch. Someone said that recently. And we have to address this and put a halt to it so that we can regenerate wealth within small communities for all families, you know?
2: Got you. Jessica, great, great call. Thank you so much for kicking us off tonight talking about this, and I would agree with you wholeheartedly. Folks, I gotta take my final pause. When we come back, let's get more of your calls, because a number of people have checked in. We got Linda, Kai, Tyrone, and Coley. Folks, we want to hear from you. 410-319-8888. Also, post your comments on my Facebook page at Faraji Muhammad right now as we're broadcasting live. And of course, stay riding with us. We got a lot to get to in the final 30 of For the Culture here on WEAA.
0: I do this for my culture, 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 culture.
2: So welcome back to For the Culture right here on WEAA 88.9 FM and WEAA.org. Absolutely. The voice of the community. I'm your host, Faraji Muhammad. Thank you so much for checking in and riding with me this evening. Folks, we're talking about President Biden making a visit to Tulsa and talking about, you know, he has put forth some ideas for his restoration, rebuilding effort of Tulsa. He's talking about closing the racial wealth gap meaning that um, he wanted to invest more in small black—in uh, black, small, and dis- disadvantaged businesses. He wanted to uh, deal with the issue of housing discrimination and making sure that black people can get into homes and that they are, the values of those homes won't be uh, neglected or, or diminished compared to white homes. He wanted to talk about providing educational opportunities. And the way he did that, he said, was to put five billion dollars into um, the, um, the, the 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 increased investment of HBCUs across this country. So we're talking about those things, and, and I, as as he's saying these things, which again, I'm not upset with him about it, but I do believe that there is something missing from it. That there's a that, that he's missing the mark on on this thing. And I want us to have a conversation about this. I'm asking a big question: Is this enough? Would this be enough to satisfy the years of uh, of yearning for justice that the Tulsa survivors have been yearning for? Is this enough? Four one zero three one nine eighty eight eighty eight. Here's what I think that we just throw it in out there, folks. Our lives cannot be um, summarized in business or capitalistic terms, okay? So that's often the narrative that I hear from black people, that if you cause us to lose our lives or there's some level of violation or injustice, that the way that, that that is repaired is through money, or through business or some sort of economic issue or, or economic gain. No. I'm pushing way back on that narrative. Something is missing for me because I'm saying, well, what about the descendants of the of the of the of the of the, of the, of the men who caused this, who did this? What I mean, so they just go on and life is—I mean, they just live their lives? I mean, what—because Mother Viola and her family had to live in pain for a 100 years. So it, are we just equating justice, and I'm saying this rhetorically, but should justice just be diminished down to a little here and a little there? and not thinking about the big part of it, which is consequence. What should be the consequences of those who, who are the descendants of the, of the individuals that are responsible for this? Mark checked in on my Facebook page and asked, There is no statute of limitation on murder, but we are very consistent in this country where we will not punish anyone for having killed black people. We do not put the blemish of blaming of being murderers and rapists and thieves on the people who did these things to black people. And we do not take away the material possessions of those people's families who profited from the crimes of their ancestors. In short, black lives don't matter. People think all we want to be is uh, all we want is to be pacified with an apology. And, Mark, I think you are hitting hitting a nail on the head by saying that. We, we, we're talking about rebuilding and restoring. But where was the consequences for the families that were responsible for this? Let's go back to the line. 410-319-8888. 410-319-8888. All right, let's go to Kai. Kai, talk to me. What's your take on this?
1: Wow. Well, Matt, uh, yeah, for uh, Salaam so like um Salaam, bro? Mark took everything I was getting
2: ready to say, Roger.
1: Okay. I you he, 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 he hit on everything I was getting ready to say, man. Mark was on it, man. For real, we, we got to look at how these people don't have no credibility. They don't have in their mind. It, it seems like something's off here because something is off. All- Every time there's a, a tragedy that happens to black people in America, it gets so individualized. We want to find out, okay, what's going to happen to the descendants, right? But yeah, we start. We don't want to look bigger at institutions. here, yeah, man. Not only do they do they owe their descendants, they owe everybody who was affected in that situation. But then that starts go that goes into a larger conversation of like how many people would do they owe, and the fact of the matter is they owe all of us.
2: Well, yeah, they, all of us. So if there were three hundred people killed in this massacre, the president recognized it. He said this wasn't a race riot; this was a massacre. There were three hundred people killed in this. This is this is this is one of the earlier forms of domestic terrorism in this country. Right? Where the government with the United States of America looked over it, allowed it, didn't didn't punish anybody for it. I mean, and that's the part about they
1: were doing that from the beginning.
2: I get that. I get you that. Know, My thing is should there be a call, the should there be a call by black folks to not just say, okay, fine, you want to invest in some HBCUs? Let me just tell you. I need to, you. to. I need. I need some. You know, substantive policy, where, in five years, Kai, I can see a few new businesses, in 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 the Greenwood District of Tulsa, because right now they're not. They're not there. What? That's Understand. the thing for me, brother. And I appreciate you for checking in. That's the thing for me. I need to see that type of that type of commitment from the United States government. If Mr. President, you want to uh, do right we in a, we'll in a, by by way of racial equity, we need to we get, get we'll some stuff that. on the ground.
1: Right. We know we're not going to see that. When have we ever saw that Ask the Native Americans? When have they ever seen that? Okay. Huh? I mean, you know, the United States government has always had this this like they had this moral high ground they take. But when it comes to the people who they know historically that they have oppressed here in America, they don't get anything from the United States government. Okay. Anything. I they hate really Ka- want to talk to foreign governments about us.
2: Right. Right. <laughs> right. Hey, Kai, I got to let you go, but I appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for checking in. Let's go to Linda. Then we got Ty- uh, Linda then Coley. Linda, talk to me. What's your take?
5: Hi, good evening, and God bless. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, um, Ms. Linda. I just want to say that, um, you know, God says that um, the same people, the same ones that that hated us and have looked down on us and mistreated the black people because of the color of their skin, like they could, you know, like we were nothing. Our ancestors that went through pure hell, suffered, bled, died, but baby, like I said, there's going to be much change, and there is going to be some penalties that are going to be paid, and restoration is going to take place, and there's going to be some laws, I mean some shown-up laws, and from Almighty God to make sure that this thing will not continue to exist.
2: Ms. And Linda, let me ask you this question. Do you, uh-huh. do, you, do you think President Biden's ideas, do you think this is enough?
5: No, it's not enough. But if you remember the Temptations made a song years ago, like a snowball rolling down the side of a snow covered hill, it's growing and it's going to get bigger. It's going to grow and it's going to be bigger and better. But it is a start. And I think that he is doing a, a lot, you know, to make a difference. Yeah. And, okay. and, 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 and it is it's going to explode. And it's going to, and you know what? And you're going to be surprised at some of them same white folk, the descendants of those people who were accountable, they are going to rise up and come forward and take a stand against the cruelty. That you know that has been spread and done to our black people. They, the God mean, is going to raise them
2: that. up, and I get and that may happen. And Miss Linda, always it's always a pleasure. It's good to hear from you. Um, that may happen. That and, and I don't want us to to wait on the benevolence of white people because of white guilt. That they're going to say, oh, you know, they, they'll rise up and stop this. I mean, I haven't heard it in the past 100 years. <laughs> so if if they do stand up, Ms. Linda, then the time is to do it is right now. But but I think that we can't we can't leave away from the point of justice calls for consequence. When you violate the principle of justice, which is the principle of fair dealing, right? When you violate the fair and, and violate. One's uh, human right, cause our people didn't deserve that. Oh man, our people didn't deserve that. So when you violate it on that level, you killing women and children and and older men and seniors, and you do, you burning down towns and all of that stuff. When you violate that, when you go that far, it's hard for me. To just want to say, okay, let me just let bygones be bygones, Mr. President. Put some money into some HBCUs, Mr. President. Let's talk. Let's deal with this housing issue, Mr. President. Let's let let's let's build up black businesses because even all of that, I mean, you know, we we I mean, come on, come on, come on. Let's let's the 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 mark is there was pain that was caused as a result of the great violation. I would rather hear for the president to say, we're going to look into who are some of the families that are responsible. We may not be able to get to all of them, but we need to look into some of them and see what can be done to bring a consequence to these families as a result of this. Now, that might be too bold for Joe Biden. But maybe Madam Vice President can put something for her. Maybe she can say something. Or well, that might be too bold. Maybe the CBC, the Congressional Black Caucus, can say something. Like, how do you gloss over that? How do you do that? How do you gloss over the fact that we still got a reparations bill sitting in Congress that people are debating whether they should move forward on or not. How do you At a moment in time where a whole town of black people were just completely decimated, people are still trying to figure out whether we need to talk about reparations? Coley. Come on, Coley. Talk to me, brother. Uh,
0: I want to ask you: uh, What do you think possibly can happen? Like, you think they, uh, uh, their family should be locked up or
2: something? I think, I think if we look at the de- if the Department of Justice can see something, I mean they, they they shouldn't have been able to be profited or gained. I mean, hell, if, if the fa- if if a living survivor of the families, hey man, something needs to be done. Now they may I mean, not. Like, you I can't mean, lock like, up a family member. You can't lock up somebody just simply because your family member is a criminal. So that's why I'm saying. That's why I'm, I'm trying to but, do what But, you I, doing. but I mean, I'm saying, you put I'm saying,
0: like, like, what possibly can be can be done? You know what I mean? Because, like, some people are dead and gone. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the
2: reality, other than just talking. Like reality, it's nothing that you can do. It you is I mean? it, well. It's one thing. I, I think that there is, and the president made the, wise. Punishment wise. Punishment No, that's what I'm wise. saying. The president made the point that the United States government turned this a blind eye, the, eye on this massacre. Hey, this, the, Farage, the, the, here's the thing though, Faraji, this is the same United States government, right? Yeah. That you know what I mean?
0: coerced that wiped down. You know what I mean? Farrakhan and right and those. It's the same people. So, like, why would like? How could you even sit at the table and woo X Y Z with these people? That's not same when we're having these
2: conversations. You talk about the government. Like, you know what I mean? These are the same people that killed your brother. No, like, I got you. I got you. Know I mean? so, so, and so like, my, my question is... And do I, nothing with them. Let me, let me just say this, though, Coley. My thinking is, are we going to just clap our hands and be like, oh, the president did something, or are we going to demand more? I mean, if if for one, if you are a,
0: a blind, foolish person that... That rocks with the government and the president. That's your first mistake, off the muscle. You know what I'm saying? Like let's have a If someone coerced and kills your family I and mean, your brother or someone that you love and yeah. you know they did it, are you going to sit at the table with? Them? No. I was like you know, It's simple as that. They these are the same people. Yeah. So what are you going to expect out of them? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or yeah. or we're going to do just talk. Like you know what I'm saying? It's like, I ain't, No, I'm listening saying. to you. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing the you. The thing I'm saying, but, like, you know what I mean? I don't talk no uh, funny hot dogs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. simple as that. Like, you can't lock the people up. Uh, you know what I mean? What they going to do? We're going to eat some kadachi. Give you some money. We'll work YZ, And at the end of the day, it's like, so what makes their life, their lives, the total people's lives, value more than the uh, the other stuff that the was doing? Killing right. people. You know what I mean? So, like, now you're in lives. I understand
2: it was
0: a historic blicky that happened
2: back then, but a market killed a lot of people. No, I so, got you. I got you. And <laughs> hey, hey, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep this in mind as, I, as we continue to have this conversation, Coley, and, I, and, and you're right. There's, there's, there's still, you yes. know, we, we, we can't just, we, we, we can't Straight lock up, up other bro. people. So I appreciate Straight you, up. Coley. <laughs> word. I thank you. No, no, no. You know, I hear you. I hear you. I, I just, the, my spirit is is in a place where I, I'm like, there's something else gotta, that's got to be done. We can't just gloss over this. What else is going to be done? Here's what, uh, and I'm looking for when the president, he talked about the fact that Tulsa as a government, as a city and at Oklahoma as a state, How they, they don't even teach about, and I mean, this is in Oklahoma, they don't even teach about the massacre in Oklahoma schools, man. The president said that. The president said that. They don't even teach about it in the schools. So you mean to tell me this happened and nobody teaches them about it? Like, this wasn't even a part of the curriculum. I mean, at least have, from a historic perspective, make create a mandate or something to say, oh, look, we're going to teach about the Tulsa massacre in the schools, not just in Oklahoma, but in every state across the country. At a decent age, at a reasonable age, Parisa checked up in on my Facebook page and said, "After learning about the Tulsa Massacre on the show last week, I spoke to the people I know about. I, I know about it, as I never learned about it in school, and was shocked. Nobody I talked to had learned about it in school either, except one person." My husband, who is from the most isolated rural town in Ireland and graduated with nine classmates, had learned about both the Tulsa massacre and the Philadelphia move bombing, which I only learned about the other day, too. Unbelievable. Our country has covered up so much history. This is a grown woman. Let's go back to the line. Let me hear from Liv.
6: How are you? I'm this all right, Liv. Sensitive. How are you? It's, I'm good. Very sensitive subject, simply because uh, there's so much pain. And the question that I would lift is, what's the cost for pain? There is none. So, for the president to offer up, I think, what is it, five million for five the billion. next five billion? Five billion for the next five years,
2: each year. For, for you mean for HBCUs or what?
6: Well, just in general, isn't that what he's proposing, five? Well, he five,
2: said $5 billion for HBCUs, $25 billion for uh, black, small, and disadvantaged businesses, black businesses. Uh-huh. He's trying to close the racial wealth gap there. So that's 30 That's $30 oh. billion, And then um, to do some stuff around housing discrimination. He did, I don't think there's a price tag for that one.
6: Okay. Well, you know what? I have to say it's a start, because no other president prior have, has ever acknowledged it. Is it comparable? Of course not. There's no number you could put out there for the lost lives that are unaccounted and still buried, still being dug up, and the horror that will forever follow this, this country's history. So I agree with you. It needs to be taught and um, truth needs to be revealed, but only the truth will set you free. So they're not finished telling the truth. Trust and believe. There's a lot that will remain untold. So for the president, starting a conversation and offering up $5 billion for HBCUs and $25 billion. But, but Libby, that know was what? already
2: in the plan, though. Understand this.
6: Who else had a plan? You know these presidents have always known about the Tulsa
2: But see, here's here's my frustration with that, Liv. Here's my frustration. We say that it was a start, but the pain and the oppression of black people in this country has been around for hundreds of years. So that means that every time we get a new president, we got got gotta hope on a wish and a prayer, a wish upon a star, that we can get another, quote-unquote, another start.
6: Well, let's just take him for his word. He's moving on it. So let's pick up our momentum and bring forth the reparations. It's hot right now. It's hot on the stove. Right. I agree. You understand? Mm -hmm. So we see the effort. It's been initiated. So let's now pull forth not just the Tulsa. They may get some portion of compensation. Never the value of what was taken and lost, and destroyed, yeah. okay? But now let's really tell the whole story. Let's bring reparations in. So if I pray that he's not using this as a framework to put some numbers in place, by chance reparations come.
2: Well, Understand? that's some that's yeah I agree. I, I think that's one of my concerns that I had, that he uses as a backdrop— Mm-hmm. Um, to talk about plans that he already had in motion versus using this as a backdrop to say here's what I'm going to do for the people of Tulsa for the survivors of Tulsa but more what? specifically the survivors of the Greenwood massacre right right you know what I'm saying because nothing new and I'm saying and again I could be wrong, but I didn't hear no new you know intentional specific ideas or proposals from him for Greenwood.
6: That's my point. Do you understand? So he's looking at it as, I guess, going forward. This is going to help recover the black community. Well, you know what? A hundred years is a long time. Okay? And if we look at the million and billionaires who are white in this country, it didn't take them a hundred years to become millionaires. So Rothschild started out, okay, consuming wealth. So let's talk about why do you think that number is appropriate?
2: Let me tell you something. $30 billion is not even a lot of money in a big scheme of things. It's not.
6: It's not. He's starting, but it doesn't mean that we have to just sit on it and accept it. That's our problem with, with us being black people in the black nation. We've gotten so accustomed in our mind to take what's given out. Just for example, the vaccines. Hogan says, oh, get the vaccine. We follow the government. When are we going to start marking our own path and rebelling?
2: Right. I got to stop you right there, Liv. Yes. Thank you so much. Good to hear from you. I think the other part about that is making sure that we don't frame our, uh, our oppression and our suffering as just being an economic situation. Because a suffering, and I mean, when you're talking about justice, you're talking about something that goes deep within the soul of a human being. Let us go to Diamond. Diamond, thank you for checking in. What's your take? Hello. Yes, ma'am. Diamond.
7: No, this is Ayana. Oh, Farage, Ayana. I, yeah, Faraji, I love your show, but the the staff, um,
2: you know. They, <laughs> I I'm know sorry about that. There. I apologize, <laughs> Ayana. I don't know. I'm so sorry. That's
7: not, that's not your fault, Faraji. You're awesome. Anyway, to thank the you. point. Um. Um. I, um, I teach African-American studies at my um, at my middle school. Okay. I asked a couple of years ago to, to teach that because our school um, has an Afrocentric uh, theme. We are actually named after one of the principals of Kwanzaa. So I asked, you know what, can we have this since Our students need to know what our school means and we you can know all of that. Anyhow, uh, so uh, today my lesson was about Juneteenth. Okay. And um, so many of my students, were, you know, blown away, sixth grade today, blown away, like, oh, my God, I never knew about this. You know, we celebrate the Fourth of July, fireworks and everything and Juneteenth. I never even heard of it. And uh, myself, as their teacher, did not know about Juneteenth until um, I studied preparing, you know, for just my, my curriculum that I wanted to do with them. So, back to your point about, like, people just discovering that this even happened, it's not shocking. This is a part of the propaganda of, you know, America trying to reconstruct itself, and you know, I love this analogy. If you could put, put lipstick on a pig, but it'll never be a lady. Right. But that's the vibe. That's the vibe of America. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Let's just. Point. Let's just. You know what I mean? Let's just uh, put some. You know what I mean?
2: No, so, I agree. I agree with you. You
7: know what I mean? Let's just try to make this look as, as you know, a great nation and everything's wonderful and ha ha. But absolutely not. And um, this. This uh, catastrophe, this horrifying experience, is just one. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, and let, let's not even—let's. There's so much more that we probably don't have, don't even know of, and let's not even get started with Native American uh, people as well. I mean, it's just, you know, what I'm saying. So, I do agree with the last caller about the fact that, you know, there is something that needs to happen. You know, what I'm saying now it's not going to be on you know whatever level that it should be because you know the fans look, look look at how far we are yeah this is 2021 and this is just being a discussion right right so let's <laughs> let's even look at that but i think furthermore Faraji, i thought i was telling my kids today i was explaining to them about the pan-african flag because that's the colors that are used for juneteenth so i was explaining to them about that and um marcus Scarvey and the ui the u um i think it's the uina um but we need to get back to that like we need to galvanize as a community we're very fragmented you know what i'm saying it's very afro-caribbean on one side afro-latina on one side and it's an african-american like you know we have african-americans that are first generation in this country and then us that are descendants of enslaved people but we need to really galvanize and come together i think if there was a more cultivated and group and 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 uniformity among us yeah then we could really advocate for ourselves and our community I more agree. you know with a, with a better focus and a better mission and a better way to be able to use this to really put it where it needs to be i gotta, I gotta stop
2: you the right there course. but you are right on the money right on the money folks i gotta stop it right there and i know some of you probably like Faraji, mo checked in and say look i think we're spending our wheels to ask the government to make us hold they're not that was the beauty of the reconstruction era we were doing for ourselves so let's crowdfund and let's rebuild this community set it off brother and i'll make a donation asap folks we're at that point i'm bringing this up because i want to just start to disrupt what some of us might believe Economic prosperity does not rec- is not just the only antidote for justice. That's you can't do it. There's got to be something deeper, because the violation of human rights have been uh, is so much deeper than just money. It's beyond black businesses. It's beyond this this historical site. This was a violation against the human soul. And we got to look at every injustice against black people in this country is a violation of the human soul. Folks, I got to stop right there. Stay stay tuned. Up next is Lolo within the group. I thank you all so much for checking in riding with me this evening. Thank my team, my man Dre Day. Thank Demi Goff. And I thank you for tuning in. Up next. In the group with Lolo. As always, never be afraid to challenge what's wrong, stand for what's right while being yourself in the process. I look forward to talking to you tomorrow for another exciting edition of For the Culture here on WEAA. Peace.